Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Keever, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I'm pleased that you joined us today. This year, we have been talking a lot about the idea that God has invested tremendous potential in the life of everyone who has received Him as Lord and Savior. We talked about the fact that we are to be supernatural people in the natural world. That means we live here. It means that we're not kind of walking around in some spiritual haze, but we're right here living just like everybody else, except for the fact that we have access to supernatural things, supernatural relationship, and the supernatural power of God. We talked about the fact that that gives us access to a different kind of knowledge that comes not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And we talked about the fact that faith is not somehow getting to a level where God is pleased enough with you that he'll move for you. Now, faith is necessary. Throughout the Bible, it talks about this idea, particularly the New Testament. It talks about this idea that we must have faith in God. Uh, Jesus talked about people's faith being uh, what made them whole. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It talks about the fact that we walk by faith, we live by faith, we're in the household of God by faith, so many different things that are related to our faith. Now, the foundational principle of faith is that God is faithful. Hallelujah. Now, we, we, we're not trying to just deal with principles, although there are principles that are very important, but we base this on the fact that we have a faithful God. Hallelujah. That Jesus paid the price for our salvation, so that brings us into relationship with him, and that puts us in that place of walking by grace or walking in grace by faith, and that's the foundation. If God weren't faithful, none of this would matter. However, that does not mean that we don't have a part to play. One of the things that we must remember as we talk about faith is that we are born again on the inside, but our minds, our souls have been filled with input from the outside, from the world. There's a whole different way of seeing life through the eyes of the world versus through the eyes of faith. And we have to unlearn all that. And when we face pressures, when we face circumstances, it's very difficult for us to make the connection to what we know inwardly, even though we know it on a deeper level. And maybe that's the problem. We know it on a deeper level. It's hard to make that connection to the inward part of, of believing God, believing in his faithfulness. So he gave us promises, and by those, we access that. The problem is we have got to cut through all of the things that we've learned, all of the experiences to get that connection between the inward, between our, our inner man and our outer man through our soul to our bodies and affecting our outward lives. And that connection is the context in which we're talking about faith. The underlying faith is what makes it all possible. But we have to make a connection between the inward and the outward. Really, 
That's what faith is. Faith is that connection. It's making the connection between the God of creation and what he created. It's making the connection between what God is in us, what we know of him on the inside after salvation, and changing the circumstances that we see on the outside. God made us to have dominion over the earth. That's a very big word, and I'm not going to go back over it again, but let's just put it this way. Dominion implies we become the bridge between God and the natural. The church is that bridge today. There have been various reasons or various ways that God has used that bridge. Today, it's primarily to reach other people, to bring others into relationship with Jesus, but God is also our Father. So the other side of that coin is that God wants us to walk in the blessings that he paid for in Christ Jesus. And that includes healing, that includes prosperity, and let's keep that all in balance. It doesn't mean everybody's going to have a million dollars. It means we're going to have what we need. Uh, Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, in the Psalms, it says God will give us the desires of our heart, but that's coupled with delighting ourselves in him, which changes those desires. The point I want to make is we have a part to play in whether we live in victory or whether we do not, whether we have the power to reach out to others or whether we do not. And we began to talk about this. Uh, We looked at that connection and the fact that it is a connection, not just somehow God's withholding until we're good enough. That is absolutely wrong. He doesn't operate that way. But we have to make that connection because we are the bridge. We're the ones he put here. We're the ones Jesus sent into the world. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So all of that to say, there is a connection to be made. And that connection is with what's inside connecting to what's outside, the power on the inside connecting to the problem or the circumstance on the outside. Now, last time we talked to you about Abraham, and Abraham is a key uh, person in this. In Romans chapter 4, the beginning of the chapter, it says that Abraham, or later on it actually calls him our father in the faith. Abraham is the father of those who believe. Why is he that father? He wasn't born again because he found something. Paul says, what has Abraham, our father, found? Two things. Number one, he found a way to believe beyond experience. Hallelujah. You know, there are things we're facing today. I don't know about you, but things I'm facing today, I've never experienced before. Now, there are things like them I've experienced, but there are certain things that we're facing in the world today that I don't think any of us alive right now have experienced before. And so how do we make that connection? How can we connect to something we haven't experienced. Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Or faith, it says in the Amplified, is the ability to perceive as real what we cannot perceive with our natural senses. We saw this in the life of Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua were uh, two of 12 spies that went into the promised land. Ten of them came back and they could not believe that God would give them this land. They came back and said, this is a land filled with milk and honey, just like God said, but the giants are too big, the people are too big, the cities are too big, the the land is too hard, and and it devours its inhabitants. That's not what it said at all. But but, uh, Caleb and Joshua were able to look beyond that. How did they do that? Because they made the connection between all God had done to bring them to this point and the fact that God had promised to bring them into the land of Canaan. So they were able to believe for something they hadn't yet seen, they hadn't yet experienced, and yet they were able to believe for it because they made that faith connection. Now, the second thing that Abraham found was a prophet.
process, a process by which we could uh, practice this connection, practice making, developing, and strengthening this connection. Romans chapter 4, beginning in 13, and really the end of the the chapter pretty much, but we're going to look at the first step of it today. How did Abraham make that connection? Number one, Abraham had a promise. We cannot connect to just anything. Now, we talked about the promise where Joshua and Caleb were concerned, but I want to focus on this process now. Number one, how do I make the connection? How do I strengthen the connection? How do I get the garbage out of the flow? Number one, we must have a promise. For the promise, verse 13 of Romans 4, for the promise that he would be heir, the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings forth wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be made sure to the seed and not those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham. Abraham had a promise. This is so important. Why is it necessary for us to have a promise the way Abraham had a promise? Well, because of the nature of faith. Faith is not some mystical thing. Faith is not some level of spiritual maturity that we get to, and so we're we're strong enough or we're grown up enough or whatever it may be that, that God will move for us or that we have this faith connection I've been talking about. Faith is simply a matter of relationship. I am in relationship with with God through Christ. But how can I know what someone I'm in relationship will do if they don't tell me? So God placed in his book these great and precious promises, all of the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He put them in this book so we would know what to connect to, so that we would know what we could believe. There are so many examples uh, or illustrations I could make from my own life. I often use this one. If I were to go up to you and say, say that I was going to buy you a car, then you could believe that I was going to buy you a car. If you knew me, if you knew I had the ability, if you knew I had the finances, then you would have real trust that I was going to buy you a car. If you believed in my integrity, if you believed in my character, then you would believe I'd do that. But if you come up to me and say, you know, I just believe God's going to cause you to buy me a car. Well, brother, you can do that all you want. But if I haven't told you God said to me that I'm going to buy you a car, then you you gonna, you better get used to walking, taking a taxi, an Uber, or whatever or a bus, whatever, because I am not buying you a car if I didn't tell you I'm going to buy you a car. And all your confession, you can confess it all you want. Brother Bill Keeper's going to buy me a car. He's going to buy me a, a, a new car. He's going to buy me a particular brand of car. He's going to buy me a particular style of car. You could confess it. You could just say it all you wanted to say it, but it wouldn't mean anything because I didn't tell you I was going to do that. And so we need to understand that we can make all kinds of confessions about what God might do. We can we can think in terms of what we want God to do. We can say even things that in principle might be true, but we can't believe what we don't know God said. 
What did he say he will do? If he said he will heal me, I can believe for healing. If he said that he would provide for my needs, I can believe for that. And so God has given us his word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. I know, don't correct me and tell me that that was in the context of salvation. It was in the context of salvation, but it was also a general principle. If God brings forth faith for salvation through the hearing of the word, how would he bring forth faith for healing? How would he bring forth forth faith for prosperity? How would he bring forth faith to overcome sin? How would he bring forth faith to believe that we can reach out to the world? It all comes via the word of God. Why? Simple reason. Because this is a relationship and I need to know what my relationship partner said. If I don't know what he said, then then how am I supposed to believe it? Uh, There was a time I was traveling, and this happens quite a bit when you go into third world countries because everybody looks at an American or European for that matter and figures that we're all rich. And by comparison, we really are. However, this young man came up to me. I just purchased a new camera back when you needed a camera, not just your telephone. And I just pr- purchased a new camera. It was uh, a really nice camera. It was a single lens reflect camera back in the days of film. And uh, I-, I just bought it to c- chronicle our trips and that sort of thing. And this young man came up to me. I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't know who he was. And I don't, you know, he probably heard my name and he certainly saw me with the camera. He came up to me and said, God just told me you're supposed to give me that camera. I looked at him and said, well, when God tells me I'm supposed to give you the camera, then maybe we can talk about it. But God didn't tell me that. So uh, I'm not giving you my camera. But you see, this this young man thought he could, he could uh, violate the relationship principle, and just declare that I'm supposed to do something that God hadn't told me to do. And we can't do that to God either. We can't declare that God's going to do something unless we know what he said he'd do. And many times we leave this process to, you know, we we think we know. Uh, We used to quote the Bible this way when we were very young. Well, in the Bible, somewhere it says something like this. Well, somewhere and something like is really not finding out what God said. This is important on so many levels. First of all, just to know what he really said. Many times we assume things and we read things, but we don't really connect. We don't really, uh, it doesn't really click in our mind. And so we think we know what it says, but we don't. It's important when we're talking about the fact that we have to bridge the gap between what's inside of us and the supernatural realm of God and the outside world where we also have an enemy named the devil. Now, God is not really all that legalistic. He's not legalistic at all. He sets forth principles that help us to be consistent in our living. But the devil is very legalistic. He looks at every little bit. He wants to find every little loophole. So if he can, he's going to resist us. He's going to keep us from being able to receive. Well, if I know what my father said, if I know what the promise really says, then I'm going to be able to overcome that resistance and I'm going to be able to to, uh, make that connection that we've been talking about for a number of weeks now. So we must have a promise. I was thinking about this some time ago and I began to think about marriage. 
And it really bothers me when today, when a lot of young people, sometimes even Christian people, they'll they'll just kind of we're going to make up our own vows, and they're they're artsy little things, they're they're nice statements about the person. You know, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever met. You're the most wonderful man I've ever met, and yada yada yada. But you know what? Marriage vows are just that. What is a vow? It's a promise. It's a promise from which we do not allow ourselves to back away. And when we make vows, when I made my vows to my wife, and there are specific things, and and you can adjust those things. We use a couple of different versions, but in every version that we use, there are vows. Here's my promise. I'm not going to I'm not going to have sexual relations with any other woman the rest of my life. You are my wife. You are I'm kept under you completely. I'm going to I'm going to love you. I'm going to treat you right. I'm going to take care of you. And the she gave vows back to me. It was a long time ago. I don't specifically remember the vows, but I know the character of the vows. I know what they meant. And see, marriage vows should be done by faith. The, you young people, if you're listening to me out there, don't pick some flowery thing just because it sounds nice. You're making a promise here. And the thing about that promise is when times get tough, you can go back to that promise and say, I know that my partner is a person of integrity. I know my husband or my wife is a person of integrity and they're not going to break that vow. That's exactly what we're seeing in the Word of God and why we must have a promise. God made a vow to us. Now, there's another element of this. Why could Abraham believe that promise? Now, God gave him those promises in Genesis 14, uh, excuse me, Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. You can go back and read exactly what the promise was, but we've already talked about the fact that it had to do with Abraham having children and he couldn't have any and his wife couldn't have any. Why could he trust that? Why did he believe that? In chapter 17, God did something very important. He made covenant with Abraham. He, what, what it's called in Hebrew, he, he uh, cut a covenant with Abraham, a blood covenant covenant. And blood covenant is the highest degree of agreement that can be made between two people, two groups, two families, two tribes. He cut a covenant in blood, and that covenant says, whatever I have is yours, whatever you have is mine. Every promise I give you must be fulfilled because a covenant, a blood covenant cannot be broken. Now, we know God's not going to break his covenant, But how do we know that? Because he's a God of integrity. He's a God of character. When he said that to Abraham, when he made that covenant with Abraham, then that solidified it. Whatever God said to him that he was going to do, then he was going to do it. And he knew it because of the covenant that God had given to him. When he said, you're going to be the father of nations, that was a covenant promise. Well, You know, that's exactly what we have. We have a covenant with God, but our covenant is somewhat different. Uh, In Hebrews 8, uh, chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 6, it says this, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, and this is talking about Jesus, inasmuch as he also is a mediator of a better covenant, 
which is established upon better promises. My brother and sister, Jesus made a covenant between he and the Father God, but we are part of that covenant. We are in Christ. Hallelujah. When when two people made a covenant, everybody in them, that meant all of their children, all their children that would be born, all of their generations, everybody in Abraham was part of that covenant between he and God. But we have an even greater covenant. It's a better covenant. Why? Because it's not just made between a normal human being and God. It's made between God the Father and God the Son. Neither one of them are going to break it, and we get in as part of the body of Christ. We have a covenant. Therefore, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If we don't have a promise, what is it that we are believing? You see, just like those marriage vows, God put Romans 10:17 in the Bible to let us know that according to our covenant, we can do the same thing. We have the same kind of promise. When times get rough, we can look at those promises and we can see what God will do. And that, my brother and sister, is what we're really making connection to. For many, many years, and I've shared this with you before, but but the very first promise that we really made that connection with, uh, outside of salvation, I guess, but the one that I've, I I know that that we did something by faith that was not possible without faith, and that was Philippians four nineteen. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We had that promise. We were looking at a situation where we could lose our home, where we didn't. Have have enough to eat sometimes. We, we, we needed, and specifically we needed, I think it was $700 to pay bills, and there was no way that we could get that. There was no channel that it could come through, but we had a promise. Hallelujah. And that is the beginning. If we have a promise, then we will know what we can believe. We'll know what we're trying to make a connection to. If we have no promise, what are we believing? Well, I'm believing that God is faithful. That's great. Start there. But what did he say he would do? There's an enemy out there that's going to try and keep that from coming to pass. There is a mind that's going to try and solve the problem in every way but by God's power. But when I have a promise, man, we looked at our checkbook. There was no money in it. But thank God I had a promise. We considered the time frame and time was running out. But thank God my wife and I had a promise. It wasn't just words on a page, and and we're going to talk about what we did in order to bring that promise and make that connection between uh, a statement of what God will do and believing that God will do it for us. But number one, we need a promise. Let me ask you something. What are you facing right now in your life? What are the problems in your life? What are the things you want to accomplish? This is another aspect of promises. You know, God gave us promises for our future, for what we want to do. Uh, and, and again, these promises are related not to our will specifically, but his will, although there's a cooperative uh, thing there. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have them. So God doesn't overlo- overlook our desires, but in the framework of the totality of what we're looking at, we're talking about the will of God. So we can't go beyond that. God hadn't given you a promise he's going to give you somebody else's wife. That's outside those principles. But within God's will and God's stated purpose, God has given us promises, things that we can stand on, things that we can look to. What do we want out of life? 
There are promises that can relate to that. What do we need to clean up in our lives? There are promises of help that will relate to that. What do we need where our relationships are concerned? There are promises that relate to that. Uh, To quote an old um, advertising campaign from many years ago when smartphones were new, there's an app for that. Well, there's a promise for that. You need something in your life. There's something that's not right. There's something that's not according to God's purpose and plan for you. There is a promise for that. But if we don't find the promise, how are we going to know? We're believing something. We believe in God. I mean, that's where it all starts, isn't it? It's a relationship. So we believe God will take care of us. That's great. But he gave us these promises for a reason, to make that connection and Jesus said to that man who had a young boy that needed healing, and the, and the man had, had kind of uh, not lost his faith but lost his confidence, Jesus said to him, you know, how, long, how often has this happened? And the man said, well, his whole life. And the man looked at Jesus and said, if you can do anything, please help us. He didn't go from his home to where Jesus was wondering if Jesus could do something. But at that point, he was wondering. Jesus gives him the answer. If you can believe, anything is possible. I need to be able to believe. But believe what? Believe what the promises say. Believe that God is good? Absolutely. Believe that God's going to take care of me? Yes. But that leaves room for our enemy, our adversary, the Satan, uh, Satan, to push back against us and hinder that from coming to pass. But I want you to know, once we make that connection, whatever the devil does, he cannot stop the promise of God from coming to pass in your life. How do I make the connection? What's the next step? Step one? You got to have a promise. Look for one. You got all kinds of ways that you can look for things now. You have computers and phones and Bible programs. You have uh, uh, the internet. You can search uh, on the internet for promises in the Word of God. Uh, you can go to other people and ask them to help you find something. Uh, You could even look in a concordance or paper resources. I don't even do that too much anymore, but they're there. If you can't get anything else, you can look at the paper, or you can ask somebody. Find a promise. What are you looking at today? What is the challenge of your life today? At one point for us, it was finances. And, you know, that that still always works in us. Once that promise became real, there are days where we have, me in particular, I can get a little bit... uh, a little bit worried, but when I go back to the promise and when I remember what God has done, I know, I know that God's going to take care of us. Is it healing? Is it relation? Whatever it may be, we've listed a number of things. What What's in your heart right now? What do you need God to do in your life? What is it that really, I'm not talking about some kind of whim, you know, well, you know, I really like a really nice car. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, well, God take care of that kind of thing too. What do you really need right now? What's going on in your life? There is a promise in the Word of God, and once you have that promise, you can go back to it. When the pressure comes, you can go back to it. When the thoughts of doubt come, you can go back to it. No, 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 no. I got a promise. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. We're gonna once we have that, we can move on to steps two, three. I think two, three, four, and five as to how to develop the connection with that promise and to see God open up that channel between the supernatural and the natural. And we're going to see things change in our world. Well, praise God. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day in the Lord. God bless you. We'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen 
G-R-E-E-N-E at gmail.com. Have a great day.